Well, we were talking high school football a little bit earlier. He offered to talk high school football, but his expertise, of course, for CBS Sports is in college football in the NFL. We are, of course, referring to our next guest here in the fast lane, former Florida State and Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champion, two-time, I might add, cornerback Bryant McFadden. At BMAC underscore Sports Talk, back with us once again. Here He's in the an immaculate league. grid expert like for football. I just want to throw that in there as he, well. He puts the Mac in immaculate. It's pretty good. I mean, I hope that doesn't get us the dial tone. Hopefully that gets us some compliments with the cheesy segue to Bryant McFadden. He's back with us in the fast lane. Bryant, we hope that you're well. We finally made it. And uh, was that cheesy segue good enough for you? Oh, no question, man. Great, great way to welcome me. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the invite, man. So let's go ahead and make some some folks that are listening to us excited about what we got to say. All right. So Florida State, they made a lot of headlines off the field in the last month and change with where they stand not happy with the ACC. How do you view them, though, this year? As a former Noel, but also a, an objective analyst for CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, how do you view their chances of being right there with Clemson and overtaking the Tigers as the top team in the ACC? I think they got a great chance to um, beat Clemson, something they haven't done in a long time, and be atop of the ACC competing for a playoff spot. And the reason why I'm saying that is – that Clemson game, you know, it was basically a one-possession game when you look at the final score. But Florida State missed a lot of opportunities. And clearly they weren't there yet in finding ways to beat quality sound teams, in which why they lost. But if you factor in how they fought back in that ball game, and I remember Dabo Sweeney, his on-the-field presser that he did, he talked about the game, but he also gave a lot of tribute to Mike Novell and his team saying this is a team that's on the rise. And that was very, very surprising to hear because most coaches don't really applaud the opposing team. They just defeat it in that way. But it was almost like he sensed, like Florida State is coming. Fast forward to the end of the season, won 10 ball games, won their bowl against Oklahoma. Most of the production from a year ago was returning, decided to return on both sides of the football. When you add some of the big-time transfers that we got, Keon Coleman, Bell from South Carolina, uh, uh, you know, Cypress from Virginia, then some of the impactful high school recruits. I mean, listen, man, they stay healthy. Oh, they're going to really do some big-time things. How much has that been one thing that has held Clemson back in? Maybe if Florida State does, in fact, overtake them this year, Bryant, that might force Clemson to reevaluate the fact that a school like Clemson hasn't really used the transfer portal at all. And while Florida State may not do that long term, they're starting to uh, have success on the the high school recruiting trail to, to maybe go from relying to using it as a supplemental plan, the transfer portal. How much is that different, something that has enabled FSU to close the gap and possibly overtake the Tigers? Yeah, I think it's huge because when you talk about having a new staff, remember Mike Norvell took over some years ago and, you know, some players left, he brought some players in, but getting some guys that already knew how to handle themselves in college football is huge. 
and that's what we're seeing now. You know, you look at our quarterback, he was a transfer. Transfer. You look at our top wide receiver, one of our top wide receivers, Johnny Wilson, a transfer. Um, you look at Trey Benson, a transfer. Um, and then the success we've had with transfers in years past. Jermaine Johnson, who was a transfer from Georgia, came in and, you know, became a first-round selection. You know, Kyrie that came from South Carolina, you know, he plays for the Rams now. Um, Jamie Robinson, another transfer from South Carolina, uh, was a draft pick by the Carolina Panthers a year ago. So just the success that Mike Norville has had in getting guys that, you know, many people feel like, well, they're they're an okay player at best, but he believes in these players, and most importantly, the players believe in him, and we have we've had success. You know, Johnny Wilson was a guy no one really knew of at Arizona State, and in a year on campus in Tallahassee, he's basically a household name. So that's a great job in the developmental uh, tactics that Novell and his staff has had. And also, too, just knowing which direction you need to go to find success. Brian McFadden stepping into the fast lane, CBS Sports college football and NFL analyst. You see him on CBS Sports HQ and at BMAC underscore sports talk on Twitter and Instagram. We will get to the NFL in just a few moments here with Brian McFadden, but to the ACC. We've spent a lot of time discussing Florida State and Clemson right now. How big is the gap between those two programs and the rest of the conference? Oh, man. It's it's Florida State-Clemson. Right now, you know, to to address this, as we see it today, it's Florida State-Clemson and everybody else. You know, the third best team I probably would go with I understand Drake May is at North Carolina, but I like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to be a, a sound team. And quiet as kept, Pittsburgh has done a great job producing pros. They've done a real good job in producing pros. But I think that third team could either be North Carolina or, or Pittsburgh. But there's a nice gap of separation between the top two teams in Florida State and, and uh, Clemson. A lot of folks in our backyard may not want to hear this, but you know we've been up front. We were going through Virginia Tech's season win totals along with UVA's this past Friday. But for the purposes of Virginia Tech, we identified two sure losses on the schedule. One is Florida State. The other was Pitt, even though it's in Blacksburg because of where Pitt is. You mentioned the gap between Florida State and Clemson and the rest of the ACC. Is there also a gap between Pitt and maybe North Carolina and the remainder of the ACC as well? Um, it, it, it is, and I think there is a gap because there is a lot of uncertainties with schools like UVA, with schools like Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. You know, even though Miami has more structure than those said schools. Man, what, what can Mario Cristobal do? Can he show that he's more than just a recruiter? You know, because they had talent on that team a year ago, only won five games. Mind-boggling. Confusing. So there is a sense in regards to a gap, um, but I don't think it's significant. But it's just about the unknowns with the other schools that I mentioned compared to what we know Pitt has, what we know North Carolina has. That's a good point about what we know. And Pitt obviously embodies that. It may not be as flashy. They may not have the high-end talent. They don't of Florida State and Clemson. But they produce pros. They develop them. And they become a reasonable standard, certainly, for the rest of the ACC. Where do you see Virginia Tech and Virginia fitting into that group? Do you see either one of them having the ingredients to uh, obviously not challenge Florida State or Clemson, but take the step forward where they can contend for bowls and say at the end of this year, all right, we're moving in the right direction higher up in this conference. I mean, when you talk about Virginia, me personally, 
a few years ago, I felt like that was their window of opportunity because they had Brendan Armstrong at the quarterback. He, remember, he had some pretty good years for UVA, and then it just was a, a, a catastrophic drop based on the expectations. And now they're kind of like trying to start over from square one. And it's like the thing with UVA, the expectations are extremely low right now. No one is really banking on the Cavaliers doing anything that's significant, especially not having a veteran presence at the quarterback position in, 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 in Armstrong. Now, when you transition to, to Virginia Tech, I believe Virginia Tech has an opportunity to be more successful, have a more successful season than the Cavaliers. You know, I, I love the talent they've been able to, able to implement within the program. You look at their schedule. I mean, the first four ball games they should be they should be four and zero before they get into conference play. Uh, I, I think they play hit the, the fifth game or something like that. Yep. But I remember the first four ball games are all winnable ball games for Virginia Tech, and that's why I do believe they will have more success than the Cavaliers because you look at how they start the first four ball games. You know what I mean? So. With that momentum going into the season, four games that we understand there's no guarantee, but you should you should win the games you're supposed to win. And I think Virginia Tech is set up to do that, and by the time they get into conference play against the Panthers, I mean, who knows what could happen. That's a great point about the, the should win and having the mindset if you're Virginia Tech that uh, as a program you're not going to you know be the national champions this year. No offense to Hokie fans, but those hey, are, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, were you were you thinking something else, Trey? I was just kidding. That was just I just I needed to have some fun. There. Glad to know that you at Trey Law VT and me at Fastlane Edling do not need to be called out at BMAC underscore Sports Talk on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> for absurd takes but you're right I mean you mentioned the standard is where it should be in Blacksburg where those first four games of Old Dominion which they should win and then um, Purdue Rutgers and Marshall are all winnable games before Pitt becomes a real challenge and then Florida State and then actually it kind of softens back up for Virginia Tech the path forward to that how does a team like Virginia Tech Bryant take that step to where they shift the mindset from okay maybe we can win this to it is our standard and expectation that we do take care of these games. The way they shift the mindset personally, they got to get more efficiency at the quarterback position. Um, you look at what we saw a year ago from the quarterbacks there in Virginia Tech. I mean, Wells and Brown were very, very inefficient, very inconsistent didn't really do a lot. Mostly Wells, of course, was a catalyst. You didn't see really good play from the quarterback position. So can you find stability at that position to be able to lead you? Because the thing about college football, two things I know for sure, just being around the game as a player at one, uh, at one point in time and now being a fan of the game, if you have either or, if you have good coaching, real good coaching, mm-hmm. or good quarterback play, you're going to win ball games. If you have both, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And that's the issue for Virginia Tech. Didn't have good quarterback play. Think about what we saw with Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Wake Forest didn't have a lot of talent. But what they did was they had good quarterback play. And because of that, they became relevant. Think about when Kenny Pickett was at Pittsburgh. It wasn't like they were one of the more talented teams in the ACC, but they won ball games. Why? Because they had good quarterback play along with good coaching. So for Virginia Tech... I got a, a history uh, uh, test for you guys. What was the last time you would say Virginia Tech had real good, sound quarterback play? Gerard Who Evans. Who was that? 
Probably Gerard Evans. The one Gerard Evans year or Tyrod Taylor before that. Exactly. Right? And even then there's a gap. You could could throw in Logan Thomas as well. He, He had a few moments, but I agree with you guys. Yeah, and you mentioned Logan Thomas. I mean, he's a guy that was a, a tight end recruit. They put him at quarterback, probably should have played him at tight end, and that obviously has contributed to where Virginia Tech has a lot of potential, but much like some of these other schools in the ACC, up Miami, have not actually lived up to that level of potential uh, during the majority of the last handful of years. And, and speaking of Logan Thomas, by the way, as we're chatting with Bryant McFadden, CBS Sports Analyst, College and Pro Football, and at BMAC underscore Sports Talk on Twitter and Instagram, the Washington Commanders. You mentioned where they uh, these teams are. Good coaching, good quarterback play, and good line play. Out of those four, I'd say the Commanders clearly have good defensive line play. But is it reasonable to say that what may hold folks back on projecting them to take a step forward in the NFC this year is questions at the other three spots with Ron Rivera at head coach and certainly with Howell, the young player at quarterback and a very uh, unproven, should we say, offensive line? Yeah, and then quarterback. You know what I mean? Quarterback, for me, quarterback is very, very important. Um, it will Sam Howell you know, exceed the expectations. And the thing about Sam Howell, it's kind of safe to say they just gave him the position. It wasn't like he earned it. It wasn't like it was a competition. They basically said, here you go, you do whatever you want to do with it. And sometimes that works out, sometimes it don't, because he never really had to fight for that said position. But in regards to Washington, yeah, the offensive line is, 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 is shaky, but I'm more concerned about the quarterback and the head coaching. Me personally, I, I, I think this has to be a year where you need to see some type of spark coming from Washington. Even though they've been a bad team, that's a bad team that has talent. They have talent on both sides of the football. I understand you might question the O-line play, but look at their, look at their pass catchers. Uh, Gary Terry is a proven number one. Curtis Samuel, joystick-like player, could be their D-ball Samuel of their offense. Brian Robertson, Gibson, really work nicely in the backfield together. Thunder and lightning. You know, you talk about Johan Dotson, who, who showed flashes a year ago. I mean, they got it. They got it. And highly invested D-line group, interior and edge rushers. Come on, man, they got it. So we got to see Washington do something similar to what we saw with the Giants, right? Beat teams that many people didn't think they'd have a chance of beating and find a way to get in the playoffs. Because it's safe to say the Giants got into the playoffs last year with less talent than what Washington currently has. It's very safe, and it's very reasonable because the commanders have underperformed with a lot of that talent, particularly all the financial and draft pick investments they've made on the defensive side of the ball. Last question for Brian McFadden, and of course we appreciate his time at BMAC underscore Sports Talk. Twitter and Instagram. We're at Fast Lane Edwin on the social media platforms. And he's with CBS Sports College and Pro Football Analyst. Um, so this is one of our favorite sayings here in the Fast Lane from your former head coach, Mike Tomlin. The standard is the standard. The standard is the standard. I saw another one, though, because you've got up the little uh, clip you did a couple of weeks ago. The secret is there is no secret. That's one I might have to start using now as well. What is your favorite Mike Tomlinism that perhaps you even use with young folks in your life these days? Oh, man. I love the standard is a standard. It's something we lived by, you know, during our Super Bowl run in 2008. Um, The secret is there is no secret is dope. Because that can apply to everyone. You don't have to be an athlete. 
you know, whatever it is that you do in your, your day-to-day routine, whatever it is you're trying to do, whatever it is you're trying to be great at, what is the secret? Man, ain't no secret. Just work hard. That's it. That's no secret. Everybody like, man, what's the secret to your success? What did you do? There is no secret. I just work hard. I paid attention. I put forth the effort. You know what I mean? I prayed about it, but I also worked extremely hard to go get it, and I got it. So I think that might be the best one. There, the secret is there is no secret. Secret. And another one he said in regards to football, you know, make routine plays routinely. If you just do the routine plays routinely, you're going to be okay. Most people get mesmerized by the spectacular, which only happens every so often on any level of football. But if you can learn to make the routine plays routinely, that wide receiver catching that out route at 10 yards, making that a routine, we're going to win ball games. No doubt about it. It's the reality of uh, sports and what transfers to life as well is making the routine routine. Somebody who makes great insight routine because he does it regularly for CBS Sports as well as at BMAC underscore sports talk is Bryant McFadden with us in the fast lane. Bryant, a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time today and look forward to hopefully catching up again as the football season is now here. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Brian McFadden with us here in the Fast Lane. W226, BG Timberlake, WVGMAM Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside. Slightly belated, but still it's time to go live.